Can y'all hear me? It's a, it's a pleasure to be able to stand in front of you today for us. Another day to worship the, the Lord's name. Another day of, of breath and, and health. I just, uh, just sitting here grateful. Grateful to God for what he's doing. Grateful to God for the beautiful faces that I see standing out. I just want to... Uh, just take this time to, to thank everyone uh, who's come out. My, I see my, my UPS family has come out to support me. My, uh, my work mama back there and sister. And I just want to say thank you. Um, but this is, this is the time that we come to praise the Lord and that we've come to hear from the Lord. And there's definitely a word from the Lord this morning. Um, if you would, turn with me. The scripture for today will be John, the 17th chapter. And I know y'all are looking at your bulletin saying this isn't the Lord's prayer. <laughs> but amen. Amen. And if you would... Uh, John, the 17th chapter, we'll be focusing on the 13th through the sixth, through the 15th verses. But I would like to read up into that point, just Jesus's prayer for his disciples. And it reads, when Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may, be, may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me. And they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours. All minds, all mine are yours. And yours are mine. And I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. 
But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and, your wor- and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. You may be seated. And if you would, bow with me in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly, Lord God, just asking you to open up your word to us today, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, right now to to look on us, Lord God, and have mercy. Forgive us of our sins, Lord God. We ask that you open up our ears and give us ears to hear your your message, Lord God. We ask that, that we are able to see you more clearly, Lord God. We ask that you give us ears to hear and and eyes to see, Lord God. And we we ask that we are able to see your love for your disciples just that much more today, Lord. We ask that that we peer into your heart, Lord God, and we know your desires for your people today. And we ask these things in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. Amen. So... I just want to read the, our focus verses one more time, and that's on the, uh, the 13th. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Amen. And as I I was sitting here just hearing the voice of Christ crying out to his father on our behalf, this word has really just been working and resonating with me because it's just a clear picture of Jesus' heart toward his people. This is one of the, the most intimate things that we could actually lend our ear to a time of prayer with the Father. Just like, just like we come to the Father in our, in our deepest hurts and our deep, deepest anguishes, here is Jesus coming before his Father and before one of his most uh, tormentous times on this earth. This passage takes place right before Jesus is going to be betrayed and turned over to, to torture to being tried by the courts, to being spat on, to being uh, coming into his role that he had came here from, to be the, the, the spotless lamb that is come to take away the sins of the world. And, I, and we just get this great opportunity from John to, um, to see and to hear the heart of Christ. John is one of my favorite books of the, uh, of the Gospels because, like, when, when you look at Matthew, he's trying to prove, you know, God's kingship and his authority on the earth. And, and Mark, he's trying to show that God has authority and power, and he shows that through his actions. And Luke, he has just this concise picture of God's life and his ministry and what he did. And, and it's proven that a, just a regular man couldn't do this, but Jesus Christ did this. But once we get to the book of John, 
he's, he just wants to show the heart. He wants to show the love of Jesus Christ that he has for his people. And it just really resonates with me because even in the 13th verse, it says that I, I'm writing, I'm coming to you right now that, that my joy be fulfilled in you. Like, so he's, he wants us to be, have joy in this world, knowing the hardships that we are going to face. And in this world, it's, joy is hard come by. It's, it's hard to come by. We, we get fake happiness and fake smiles, and we get painted on smiles that we post just for Facebook, and we get fake how you doings and, and how you beens. But, but that joy that passes understanding, that's something that's really hard to come by in this world that's filled with so much hurt. That you look and you see so much pain in people's faces and they, they'll still tell you, oh, I'm doing fine, because they know you don't want to be bothered with them, with their problems and with their emotions. But here we see that Jesus is concerned. During his, where he's about to face the cross, where he should be praying for himself in the, in the job that he has to do, he's concerned about his people. He's concerned about what we will face when he has to leave. He's concerned about our soul. When we, when we read this prayer, it's easy to be caught up in, and it's easy to see how all the hardships that he's talking about could be physical because we go through it. We go through the persecution of people talking about us for identifying with Christ in this world. We see the hardships, even in our own families, of the ridicule and the, and the isolation that we get for identifying Christ as our Savior. And, and it's easy to, to really think that this is talking about our flesh in this moment, because we want that comfort. We want the comfort to be, be like, okay, Christ prayed for us because he knew that we were going to be persecuted in the flesh. But that's not that's not the reason why Christ is praying for his disciples in this moment. We see that in verse 13 that Christ is praying for, um, for our joy to be fulfilled. He says this three times in his gospel of John. The first time is in John chapter 16, verse 24. He says... Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy will be filled, that your joy may be full. And he's, he's trying to let us know that there's comfort in knowing that you can ask of the Savior and that he, and if you ask in his name, that he will be there. Not in, and not just be there, but he will give unto you if you ask in the right way in his name. And this is a comfort for us as Christians to know. And this is actually how he comforted himself. He comforted himself much in prayer. You would always see Jesus, he would go off and he would pray to his father. He would go off to an isolated mountain because that was him being comforted. That was him reminding himself of the joy that I'm not alone in this world. That I don't have to face these things alone. That I, have to, uh, I don't have to walk through them alone. That Christ, uh, that Jesus was, um, had his father with him every step of the way. So part of our joy, he's praying for our joy in this moment. And part of that joy is knowing that um, 
that it requires obedience. It requires our obedience. In John 15, this same phrase is used. John 15, 10 and 12. This is what he says. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just like I have kept my father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So he, he's laying out the requirements of why, of how he's praying for you, but it's not, just a, it's not just a fleshly thing. He's not trying to pray for your joy just so that you can be happy on this earth, just so that you can go by and you can smile and you can be doing better than everybody else so that you can have a, a better post and, or a like on social media. But he's doing this, but, and this is his final word, so it's important. And it's important to the Savior that you keep your joy for this purpose because he has called us not out of this world. He didn't call us out of this hurt. He didn't call you out of your situation. He didn't, cause, he didn't call you out of your fleshly pain, but he called you to endure in this world. And not just endure, he said that I'm, I'm going to have you in this world, but I don't want you of this world. He, he said, I don't want you to be conformed to this world. Romans 12, 1, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed in the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and that acceptable and that perfect will of God. This is the will of God, that your joy may be full for his, for his glory, so that somebody may see that joy in your life, so somebody on your job can see that joy in your life. So somebody can see that little bit of Christ in your life and say, what must I do to be saved? So Jesus, Jesus is, is pouring out his heart. And we, we know that last words means, mean a lot. So this is, this is one of Jesus' last prayers um, before he is taken up and betrayed. And, and before... And before he goes, he just, he really wants to get his, he really wants to pray for his disciples. And I'm just thinking about this thing. I'm like, man, the prayers of the righteous, they avail of much. But how much more so when it's the voice of Christ praying on your behalf? And it's really powerful because Jesus is our high priest. And he's the perfect high priest. And, and, and if you look at Hebrews and you look at the Old Testament, it lays out the requirements of a high priest. It says that uh, it, it should be someone blameless. It should be someone called by God and it should be somebody strictly loyal to God. And, and they give examples of priests who have operated in this capacity and they were either one not called by God and they were destroyed. Or they were not totally loyal to God and they have been destroyed. So we see that Christ is the perfect picture of a high priest because he has walked this earth with us. He knows the affliction. We don't have a high priest that's ignorant of what you're going through in your situation right now. That thing that you're going through in, in your life, in your, that spiritual warfare that you're battling daily on your job. That spiritual warfare that you're, that you're battling in this life, you're not going, that's, 
that the parenting issues that you're having with your children. You're not going through that and, and having a savior who does not see you. He sees exactly where you are. And even before you were in that situation, he pr- he's praying for us. He's praying for us because we, he knows that we'll be tough. says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. He's concerned about your body, but in this moment, he's just concerned about your soul. He doesn't want you to be caught up by the evil one. He doesn't want you to get caught up in this world and, and, and all these temporal things that we think are important right now. He doesn't want us to be caught up in that. And I thank, I thank God for this prayer. In 1713, he says uh, that I'm saying all these things to you. I come to you saying all these things that your joy might be full. So not only do we have, do we have comfort and joy in knowing that he answers our prayers, not only do we have comfort and joy in knowing that in our obedience to the words of God, we have his presence with us constantly, but also in his words that he speaks to us, in his truth. In his truth, there's extreme amounts of comfort. And I'm learning that as I get older, as I, as I go through more things, that the only thing that we have to hold on to right now is his word. When times get tough, when friends come and go, when, when that person that you thought you could lean on Uh, was nowhere to be found, the word of God is present and it's available for the people of God. It is a comfort, it is an extreme comfort to know that God didn't have to speak to us. He is God. He didn't have to speak to lowly me. He didn't have to speak to the one that he made from dirt and to instruct him. He even called, he he says that I don't, I know, I don't call you servants. It's, it's a comfort in knowing his words. It's a, it's a comfort in knowing his will for your life. Because it, it comforts you in knowing that he doesn't consider you a servant. He considers you a friend. He said, because a, a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I've made all things that the Father has given to me made known to you. I call you friend. As a matter of fact, he said, no greater love than this. Then a man laid down his life for a friend. So he's a friend who has no limits to the capacity of his love for you. And every time I open up this word of God, I hear it. I feel it. I feel his love for me. I I thought it was a daunting task when I was little uh, to read the word. I used to fall asleep reading the word of God. But But now it has my attention because it's so relevant. It's so relevant to Christians. It's so relevant to those people who put their trust in Jesus who are living in this world today. With so much turmoil, with so much things that have us saying, why, Lord? With so many things that have us at our wit's end. How many times have you had a frustrating conversation about politics this week? How many times have you had that frustrating conversation trying to get other people to see the the pains of minorities in this country? 
And he has already worked it all the way out. He said, find comfort in my word because I am the salvation. I'm the answer. I'm the answer to everything that you're trying to wrap your brain around. And matter of fact, I've already done it. I've done it on Calvary's cross. But, and he's, he's preparing to go to Calvary now. And he said, I'm praying for your joy. There's joy in obedience to my word. There's joy in, in praying in my name and knowing that I'm a good father. I give good gifts to my children. I give good gifts to my children. And then there's a comfort in the words of God. When everything else fails, when everything else fails, he said his word won't. And the second thing in verse 14, he's praying for our holiness. Let's read that. Let's see. It says, you are my friends. Oh, I'm sorry, man. 15. 17, 14, it says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. He is praying in full knowledge of what he has given us. He has given us the word of God. And he says the word of God does something to us. When it, when it does something, it, it creates us and it starts to mold us and make us in his likeness. And then when that happens, we start to stand out from this world. And in the very meaning of holiness, it means to be set apart. It means to be set apart from this world. It's the very definition of what he was talking about when he says, uh, you are in this world, but not to be of this world. I'm going to make you like me. I'm not going to make you like everybody else. And he's calling us to this holiness. He's calling us to this holiness because he's holy. Everything associated with God is holy. There's nothing that, 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 is associated with him. There's nothing that bears his name that is not holy. There's nothing that he touches that is not holy. Think, of, think about it. It wasn't nothing special about the dirt that Moses was on in front of the burning bush until God showed up. And then he said, take off your sandals because this right here is holy ground. Matter of fact, I'm about to commission you for the salvation of my people. Wasn't nothing special about that person. Wasn't nothing special about that grad, like the, the dirt that was there. But because he had showed up, it's holy. Everything that is, the angels in heaven, they're holy. Why? Because they serve God. This Bible, the holy words of God is holy because it's his words. We, those people, those disciples that he is praying for, the ones that have taken on his holy word, and just like he incarnated the word of God and lived and walked it out in front of us, he's calling us to do the exact same thing. He's saying, I'm giving you my word. This is the only thing that sets us apart from everybody else. From everybody else. I'm giving you the word of God. And I expect you to be holy. I'm calling you to be holy. I'm calling you to look different from the world. I'm not calling you to be the same old person that you were before. I'm calling, out, I'm calling you out of some of those old habits that you had. I'm going to work that. I'm going to rot it out. I'm going to rot it out of you with my word. The word, the word of the Lord is, 
It's a comfort. But man, it hurts. It hurts sometimes. I would, when I got serious about God, I'm thinking, I'm going to clean this thing up. You know, I'm going to get right. I'm going to be in my word every day, and I'm going to get better and better and better. I'm going to get a little bit better and a little bit better. And when I start picking up this word of God, it seems like, man, I got worse and worse and worse. And I didn't know I was this bad until I read this. And I didn't even know I had this problem until I had that. He is working. He is working in his people who trust in his word. The only people who think this is easy who are, is the ones who is reading it but not trying to walk it out. It's, it's real easy until you try to walk this thing out. But he's, he's calling us to that higher standard. He's calling us to value his word of God. He's calling us to be just like Jesus. And, it, and Jesus even says that he's like, these ones that I'm praying for, these ones who took my word serious and they believed it and they had ears to hear and the ones that you gave me, Lord, that you called out of this world into your marvelous light, the ones who, the ones who, who stood face to face with the light and didn't hide their dark deeds but brought it before the master, these ones, he said, they're just like me because they're, they're going to they're gonna value this word of God and the world is going to hate them. The world is going to hate them. John 15, 18 gives us a little preview of that. It says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. This world is not going to be friendly to you. This world is not going to love you. We try so hard sometimes to fit in. We try so hard to please others all the time. We're, we're doing what we do just to please others sometimes. It, it wasn't for us to do that. It wasn't for us to blend in. It says, it says be not conformed to this world. We're not going to blend in as Christians. You're not going to blend in. You're not going to be the person that everybody likes when, you, when you're walking in the Word. You, it's just not going to happen. And we think it's something strange when it happens. When, when we're faced with this adversity, when we're faced with this persecution, we're like, oh, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, I'm being hated by the world. I'm being hated by people who don't love God. Okay. Like, okay. Okay. Like, he, he told us that it would happen. I, I think that's why he called us here. That, that hurt that, we've, that, we, that we will experience, that hate, that real life hate, that we real, the world is here to take you out. He makes a clear distinction between the world and his people. And it's two kingdoms warring on this world. And anything that brings glory to the other kingdom, they hate so if you are bringing glory to God in your everyday life, the world who is trying to set up their own kingdom is not going to like you. It is not serving their purpose for you to give all glory and honor as it should be to God. So don't get it to We are being called 
into holiness because we are in war. You need to pick a side. But we shun away from that. We shun away from clearly picking and identifying with Christ because identifying with Christ means to identify in his suffering. It means to give up your life. It means to give up your comfort in this world. And that's one thing that I found that us as Americans don't like to do. Us as Americans do not like to give up our comfort. We will serve God in, until about 1230. <laughs> we, we will serve God to a certain extent. We have a limit to what, our, what we think our service should be. But we see here that God has been given himself sacrificially, and he is calling his people to give of themselves sacrificially as well. And we, we, we have a real different, and I, I like teaching um, the youth in Sunday school because every time we go over a lesson, we just clearly define what we're talking about. So our ideal of sacrifice, I learned, is totally different than Jesus' ideal of sacrifice. So he sacrificed all of himself. We sat, and most of the time when we sacrifice something, it's not a real sacrifice. We really want that sacrifice to be an investment. So we don't really sacrifice. As Americans, we invest. Like if I invest this amount of time, if I invest this amount of energy, if I invest this amount of love, you better be producing right now. Like you better be producing or I'm going to give up. It's not worth our time. It's not worth my patience. It's not worth my peace of mind is what we say a lot. It's not worth it. But Christ is calling us to stay in this world because just like we were those sheep who wasn't accepting of him, others are those sheep that are not accepting. He says, feed his sheep. He didn't leave us here for no reason. He left us here to sacrificially give of ourselves like he sacrificially gave of himself. And he did it so that the world may be saved, so that the world may come into the knowledge of the light. But we don't want to do that. Even how we do church, even how we do church for the longest, it's our motive of our sacrifice. Is our mindset that we're going to get something out of our sacrifice? He did, Jesus Christ sacrificed the most precious thing, his own life, for a people who could do absolutely nothing for him. He sacrificed his life for people who, who did not regard him at all. Romans 5, 8, it says that he gave his life while we were yet sinners, while we were yet rebelling against him, he gave his life for us so that we may be saved, so that we may come into the knowledge of him. So why, why do we do what we do? For the longest, I'm not gonna talk about nobody else, I'm just gonna talk about myself. For the longest, I was paying tithes to the church, and I was doing it, and it was a sacrifice to my finances. But I was doing it because I had read in the Bible, this is what I read, I read that he was going to bless me. He would, he would bless me abundantly if I paid my tithes. He, he said that he would, uh, that, that people who didn't pay their tithes would have holes in their pockets. It would be like they had holes in their pockets. So I didn't want that to happen. So I was, I was doing, I was paying my tithes for the wrong reason. 
I wasn't doing it out of sacrificial love. I was doing it out of a benefit to the flesh. For the, for the longest time, I would open up my word because I'd be at my wit's end. And I, I, I would always hear that, hey, all the answers in the word of God. I was reading the word of God so that my fleshly life would be better. Not so that I could benefit others. Not so that I could come into the knowledge of Christ. Not, sometimes I would read it so I could win an argument. So, so that this word of God could support a view that I held. So that this word of God could be a weapon and a conviction to somebody else. But that's, this is just me now. Sometimes, sometimes when I was younger, I was attending church. Well, in Mississippi, you better go to church. Everybody know your parents, you better go to church. But I was, even when I was away, I was attending church so that I could tell my mom, hey, I went to church today. I was checking this block so I could, so I could continue and keep my, my nominal Christian card so I can be a Christian only by name. So I can say, oh, yeah, like when somebody tries to correct me, I can be like, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I, I read my word of God. But I wasn't doing it for the right reason. I wasn't sacrificing any of these things for spiritual anything. I was doing it all for the benefit of the flesh. We have to check our motives of our sacrifice. Why are you giving what you're giving? We do, we do everything for the self-image that we're trying to uphold, especially nowadays. We're living above our means in many cases just to impress other people. Man, that's the, that's the dumbest thing that I've ever participated in. <laughs> I'm... I'm balling out for other people. I'm buying 200 pair of Jordans and eating cereal for the rest of the week so I can impress somebody who ain't looking my way twice. Like, it, it's, it's a dumb thing. And, and unfortunately, in our, in our society, we're living above our means a lot. I remember when I, had, I was a reserve soldier that means I was broke and only drilled about once a month, and I got paid barely $100. And that was my whole job, and I went to school, and I was broke. Did I mention that I was broke? Um, so I was applying for all these jobs because I had just had Emmanuel, and I wanted to go full-time so that I could be able to support him a little bit better. So I was putting in all these jobs, and I actually got one. I got it on AGR, which is a full-time reservist, which is the sweetest gig in the Army if you ever want to go that way. Um, but I didn't even have enough money to get there. My first duty station, I was in Mississippi at the time. My first duty station was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I had got this awesome job, and it was like report in 10 days to, to this location. I had $56 in my bank account, and it was payday. <laughs> so... I told, I told my dad, and as soon as I told him, I didn't have to say anything else. He, he went in the room, he talked to my mom. That, that same day, I think, um, no, it was the next day. That, that next day, he had, he had called off of work. Um, he, he told us to get packed up. We was going to be leaving in the morning. Um, we got the car packed up. It was a 2002 baby blue Honda accent hatchback style. It was, it was great. And then we took this 1,200-mile road trip to Colorado Springs, just me and my dad. And um, I was so grateful because there was no way that I was going to be able to get there. 
There was no way that I could have even gotten, like, to even better myself. He was, he was just so loving, so kind, so everything. I had, I had put myself in the position that I was in, and even despite all that I had brought him through, he was loving and he was kind, and, and he brought me out there uh, to Colorado Springs. He checked me in, made sure that I was checked into my unit, made sure that I had a place to stay, and uh, he gave me $300 and the keys to the car. And he, he had me drop him off at the airport, and he said, son, uh, whatever you do, keep God first and do great things. And I was so grateful, so grateful for him in that moment because I couldn't do for myself. And he sac- I know that he wasn't in the best financial situation at that time, but he was, sac- he was given from a place that, that was an actual sacrifice in order to take care of his son. In order to, to see me do well, he was sacrificing of that. And I was so, so grateful. And then time goes on, you know, the, the checks start rolling in. And then you start looking at your car at 2002, baby blue, Hyundai Accent. That's paid off now. That's paid off. And you start hearing the jokes from everybody, you know what I'm saying, in your unit, and they're talking, oh, man, like, you ain't even going to be able to get around up here in these mountains, you know, like, because it snows in Colorado. Um, and I used that. That was, the, that was the one excuse that I needed to get a new car. I didn't have another good excuse, but that, that excuse, and that's all it was, an excuse, even before my dad sent me the title, I had already traded in that gift. That gift that he gave me, I traded it in for 2006 uh, black on black SS Impala, <laughs> and I just thought I thought that was every that's what I wanted. That has always been my dream car from, you know what I'm saying? Like since I was little, and I traded away a gift out of a sacrificial place, out of love that was from my father who was trying to help me for something that I couldn't even afford to do. That thing had a V8 in it, man. I was paying more insurance than I was in car payment. (laughs) So, but, and that's what we do. That's why he's saying this right now. So that our joy may be full, so that we don't trade this treasure that he's given us for, for something that we can't even afford. He, he's trying to get us to wake up. He's trying to get us to see that, that his love, his love is enough to keep us. His obedience to his word is the best way. This world is trying to sift you like wheat. Sometimes it's just so clear how spiritual it is. Sometimes you just feel it. And sometimes you really just feel how much that the enemy wants to take you out of this game. And in those moments, you, can, you, you run and you bring comfort, like you're comforted by the obedience to God. Comfort in knowing that you're obedient to his word. Comfort in his word itself. And comfort in knowing that you can go to him anytime, any time of the day in prayer. Amen. And um, verse, verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one. There's an evil one. There's someone that he had been protecting them from in the flesh this whole time. But now that he, God entrusted him while he was on earth with those that he called. 
But now that his, the limits of his flesh was given way. And he was going to have to entrust them back to the Father. This is him passing on the reins. He's given an account. He's given an account for the ones that God gave him. Lord, I kept them all that you've given me. Except for one, the son of destruction, Judas, who had betrayed him. He's given an account because he's about to pass back over the torch. You are now in the protection of the heavenly father. When I go away, you're now in the protection of the heavenly father. He cares for us so much. So he takes pride. He is that good shepherd who cares for your soul. He takes pride in not losing not one of his sheep. And he's praying for their souls, not, not just taking care of them while they're there, but now he's praying for them. He's saying, Lord, Lord, keep them from the evil one. Keep them from this sure destruction that, that they will face, this sure pressure, this sure pressure to, to trade over their treasure that I've given them, the word of God, the truth of God, their source of sanctification. Allow them to, allow them to be kept. Allow them not to fall away from what I've given you. Allow them to, to keep the faith. Allow them to remember my love and to value my love while I'm here because everybody's going to be selling you this, this stuff. Everybody's going to be persecuting you. Everybody's going to be talking about you. First Peter says, count it all joy when these things come because we'll count it worthy to be persecuted on the right side of which kingdom? We're, we're on his kingdom side. We are being counted worthy as the body of Christ to be persecuted with Christ. But it's just not persecution that we share in. It's not just persecution that we share in. His, our glorification on this side of the kingdom, it does look different. It looks like we get spit on sometimes. It looks like that we are a, 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 a stepping mat uh, that people wipe their feet on. It looks like that we're getting done any kind of way and that we're being passive about it, but we're fighting from this position of victory. I love the song that they sung. We already have the victory. We have it through Jesus Christ. When we are identifying with Christ, we are fighting from a position that we've already won. He is already, he's, death is already defeated. He, he's not taking us out of the world from death. We gone, everybody in here, and I'm sorry to be insensitive, but everyone in here has their time that this old body is going to give out on them. Not one of us is going to make it out alive in that aspect. Sometimes, sometimes this body gives indicators a little earlier and a little earlier that we don't have long. But he's saying hold on to what's permanent. Don't hold on to this temporal stuff. Don't hold on to your status. Don't hold on to this little position that you got. Know the Lord. He said, and eternal life is this, that they know the Father is the one and true God. Have perspective. He wants us to have perspective on this thing. We're physically left in this broken world. We're physically left to be the salt and the light that are holding back the dark forces of this world. We're, we're physically in this world to be, I, I love how they say, the body of Christ. Think about the body of Christ. The body of Christ was beaten. The body of Christ was, was, was spit on, it was, it was punched, it was kicked, it was whipped, it was, it was bleeding. 
But in all of that, the body of Christ was risen because the father said, get up. The, our father has the last say so of what goes on with us. We're physically left in this world to deal with diseases and to deal with racism and deal with these different divisions and hatred and death. But spiritually, we're connected to the father and nothing can break that bond. Nothing can break our bond that we have for those who trust in the word of God. We always have him here. And that's the same comfort that Jesus had when he had to walk alone. I, I could only imagine him trying to do ministry in the face of religion. I, I could only imagine him trying to get us to focus on things that we could not see. Like, I could only imagine him trying to describe to his disciples these simple things in order so that their eyes can be opened so that their soul can be saved. Like, I want us as Christians, and I think this text, and Jesus wants us as Christians to open our eyes to the value of the word of God. Know that you have a treasure that separates you from the world, that glorifies you in this world, that ultimately gives glory to God. Spiritually, we are connected to the Father's love and presence. Don't trade it away. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's already paid for. It's not something that you can't afford. It's not something that's going to have you in, in financial hardships like that. And Paula had me. But it, it's, it's what we need in that moment, just like that blue Honda accent. And it's paid for. And it's free. And there's peace in that. He paid for it with his blood, not that's all, I, that's all I have for us, but I, I'll leave us with, with Christ's words before this text. He says in 16, verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each, of, each to his own home. This is talking to the disciples. When the persecution came, they were afraid, so they left Jesus' side. And it said that you're going to be scattered. And you will leave me alone. And it says, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. In 33, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. He desires peace for you in this world. In the world, you will have tribulation physically. You will have tribulation physically. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So as we go through our physical and our spiritual battles, as we go through tribulation, remember that God already, Jesus Christ already walked these, these footsteps first. And, and he has prepared the way for each and every one of his disciples to walk that same path. He has given us the strength. He has prayed for us. He has prayed for you in your situation right now. It's, it's not unique to you. It's not unique to you. It's not something that God just doesn't understand. Lord, Lord, why are you putting me through it? It's, it's for his glory, and it's for your good, ultimately. It's for, for his glory and your good. And that's why we go through what we go through. Amen. Would you bow with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for your love and your mercy, Lord God. We thank you for your prayers. 
We thank you for your concern for your people, Lord God. We ask right now that that your word today does not go forth void, but Lord God, that it accomplish everything that you would have it set out to do, Lord God. Lord God, I ask that this message some way touch someone that they will hold out and that they will not fall away from your grace, Lord God, from your love and your mercy, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, that this this word is a word of encouragement, Lord God, that that will have somebody to press a little bit deeper, Lord God, not to read the word for their flesh, but to read the word so that they can sustain and be be a servant of you, Lord God, so they can be effective in your kingdom. Lord God, your kingdom come, your will be done. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.